and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Commanders for the Athletic, the Washington Commanders, that is. Um, happy Friday morning. Um, it is 9.38 East Coast time, and I just spoke with our pal Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch about this team and all the things that go on with this team because there's a lot as we know and i'm going to share that interview with you here in just a second we got we went into of course some of the news from yesterday on thursday about both virginia and dc sort of declaring they're out on stadium talk with why with the, with the commanders at least for now and what does this mean for 2022 but we didn't just do that because to me what is interesting is with so much happening right now between the stadium situation seemingly f- falling apart, the Jack Del Rio of it all that went down on Wednesday. We talked about that on Wednesday's podcast with Scott Jackson and Matt Paris. If you didn't have a chance to hear that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Um, and then there's Congress, right? And we're waiting to hear what's going to happen with this hearing. Is Dan Snyder or Roger Goodell going to show up? And with even though there's been a lot going on at all times, I kind of wonder with this stadium situation, maybe maybe imploding is too strong, but kind of imploding based on kind of where we were just even a few months ago, that the idea of not getting a a deal done at all is is essentially off the table. Where is Dan Snyder's mindset right now? And what could this mean today, tomorrow, any minute now? Could this mean some sort of an action from him? That to me is sort of from where I wanted to have the conversation with Michael. So we did that. We did talk some football things. We 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 talked about whether we think the offense or the defense is, is a little bit a- ahead uh, right now. Um, we got into a, 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 a sleeper that Michael brought up that's been mentioned here before, but Michael brought him up as well um, on offense. Uh, that, that was notable. We talked about the Chase Young uh, situation, expectations, when he could be coming back, but also – you know, where, where, where is he and how important is he, you know, to, to get back and the uncertainty that's around that's around him. So it was a really interesting conversation. Um, we got into a lot. We also talked a lot about Jason Wright, talked about Ron Rivera, um, not just kind of what they're doing, but also their hires in particular. So a really fun conversation. Uh, there is some football, but we I just think right now there's just way too much happening with this team to so just solely focus on football. We'll get there, though, I hope. Hopefully we will we'll be able to get there next week. Of course, is the mandatory mini camp. That's Tuesday through Thursday. That typically the third day is gets gets nixed. Ultimately, um, not sure. We'll have to we'll just have to wait and see. It just depends often on what the coaches you know if they think they've seen enough from the players to this point. And then of course the big question this week will be Terry McLaurin. Is he going to be there? Uh, same thing with Deron Payne. Uh, Michael and I broke that down as well. So a Fun one here on the podcast, uh, which, of course, you can subscribe to on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Uh, always appreciate the people who have time to um, say nice things about the podcast uh, without without a doubt. Um, I, I do want to just, I will just say at the end of my conversation with Michael, I'm going to try to put put on there some audio from a conversation I had in December, I mentioned this with Michael back in December, Al Galdi and I, in the midst of discussing whatever else was happening in that particular week of the season, we discussed the stadium talk and I listened back the other day and it was stunning to me how everything we were saying then is effectively what's happened now. So just for the point of showing the, 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 the math, I'm going to play that converse, play that conversation at the end. I would just say, take a listen. Um, Cause honestly, I think we hit it spot on and you know, uh, Michael and I talked about the stadium and where we think it's going to go. And, you know, I'm kind of like, look, I, I'm not, this is not a pat yourself on the back situation. It's just to say the 2027 thing, as we know, is, is an, it, the deadline was artificial and none of these jurisdictions, you know, the Dan Snyder factor, the ick factor, you could probably say is, is been there this whole time. And it was going to be hard for anybody to get past that, especially as more and more, information you know came out congress got involved uh all these things so um i'll play that at the end and i'll be curious what you think on that one um 
anyway, that's about it. I appreciate everybody, by the way. I, I am still playing under the weather here. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back right by next week. I've got a little energy right now because Michael and I just had a fun conversation, but it's been it's been a week. I'm okay. I appreciate people who reached out, but I'm I'm doing okay. And uh, we'll get back at it. Obviously, a lot of people have gone through the uh, the COVID uh, situation over the last couple of years, and you know, it's uh, you know, you gotta, you, hopefully everybody um, comes out of it okay. And uh, you know, it's some it's somebody's turned it bad at some point. It's mine now. So we're dealing with that. And that's why also I've been light writing this week. So I only wrote off Wednesday. We'll get back on a regular schedule next week, though, for sure. Um, All right. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, And then I'll play a little bit at the end. My conversation with Al Galdi back from December. Um, Let's do it uh, here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Hey, everyone. uh, Quick uh update here i'm jumping in here uh, after i've already posted the podcast because uh as michael and i joked during our conversation which i'll get to in one second you always have to make a timestamp these days when talking about news of the day because things change and sure enough this afternoon we received a statement from the commanders that uh, a statement from ron rivera specifically that he has fined jack del rio one hundred thousand dollars following del rio's comments on Wednesday, where he called the events of January 6, 2021 at the U.S. Capitol, quote, he called them a, quote, dust up, end quote. Uh, here is, uh, I'm going to read through here the statement uh, from Ron Rivera, quote, this morning I met with Coach Del Rio to express how disappointed I am in his comments on Wednesday. His comments do not reflect the organization's views and are extremely hurtful to our great community here in the DMV. As we saw last night in the hearings, what happened on the Capitol on January 6, 2021, was an act of domestic terrorism. A group of citizens attempted to overrun, oh, sorry, to overturn the results of a free and fair election, and as a result, lives were lost and the Capitol building was damaged. Coach Del Rio did apologize for his comments on Wednesday, and he understands the distinction between the events of that dark day and peaceful protests, which are a hallmark of our democracy. He does have the right to voice his opinion as a citizen of the United States, and it most certainly is his constitutional right to do so. However, words have consequences, and his words hurt a lot of people in our community. I want to make it clear that our our organization will not tolerate any equivalency between those who demanded justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the actions of those on January 6th who sought to topple our government, end quote. Uh, It also says that the $100,000 would be donated to the United States Capitol Police Memorial Fund. Uh, Rivera ends the statement with a quote, one more uh, quote. I feel strongly that our conversation this morning, that after our conversation this morning, he will have a greater understanding for the impact of his language and the values that our team stands for, end quote. Um, I don't necessarily know that this changes anything about what Michael and I said. We did. We, neither one of us thought he was going to be fired. He wasn't. Um, I did. We did make a point, or at least I believe I did, saying, you know, that, you know, what, basically, like, what would it, what, what does this kind of look like if, if Rivera doesn't do anything? Because at this point, he obviously hadn't. Um, when he spoke on when Rivera spoke Wednesday, it was, it was before Del Rio made the quote the dust up comment. So um, he was addressing at that day Rivera was addressing Del Rio's initial tweets, making the comparison between the two, but he did not address the term dust up. Um, okay, so that's that's it. Let's get to the conversation. All right, as promised, joining me here on the podcast, he is of course a familiar voice here. And a familiar uh, voice to anybody who pays attention to the commander's beat. He covers the team for the Richmond Times Dispatch. He is Michael Phillips at Michael PRTD on Twitter. And uh, I appreciate the time. We're talking Friday morning, Michael. Um, it's important to note the time anytime you do a commander's <laughs> podcast these days because you never know what's going to happen in the next, you know, minute, hour. Uh, it is. I don't even know, man. It, it, yesterday was another interesting day with the stadium stuff. And, uh, you know, that came off the Del Rio stuff. Uh, yeah. How are you? Uh, are you counting down a minute so we get to the true part of the offseason? Well, I'm counting down the minutes to our Friday night news dump. I've got a prediction that it will be 
uh, Senate and their House investigation related. I think that's our, our loose end to tie up at the moment right now. Um, I feel like the stadium is in a is in a stable place, uh, a thing I will almost certainly regret saying, and you will play back to me uh, to my embarrassment for years to come. Uh, DC's off the board and Virginia's off the board until January. Um, the team can decide to build FedEx two now if they want. I, I don't think they want to. I think they're going to wait until January. So I, I think we're in a little bit of a, a, a solid place there on the Jack Del Rio front. Um, you know, obviously that's, that's going to keep simmering. I don't see any way they fire him. I just don't think that's an outcome here. Um, so I, you know, I think we'll, we'll continue to simmer for a while on that. But then I, I think my one uh, bingo card here that's unchecked is who's going to go to that uh, testimony uh, in a couple of weeks on Capitol Hill. Uh, will it be Dan? Will it be Roger? Um, and, and, you know, we're waiting on that announcement. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good call. I, I had three notes here that, you know, yeah, right. Del, Del Rio, this, the, that the stadium has gone, you know, continues to go backwards and there's no positive momentum there and then yeah we're still waiting to hear on on congress um you know who the biggest winner was this week ben the biggest winner this week was curtis samuel because we would we could have done 45 minutes on can you believe curtis samuel wasn't at practice what is up with that guy um that that was like the ninth most interesting thing to happen this week yeah, I did a podcast uh, on Wednesday with uh, Matt Paris and Scott Jackson because, you know, you guys were all out there. So I wanted to get people who were there since I wasn't there and kind of like deep into the podcast. I was like, OK, let's get to the football and we're going to talk about <laughs> Curtis Samuel finally, which is tells you how the day was because, yeah, this easily would have been the lead story. And maybe we can touch on what you think, because I know last year you were uh, immediately uh, you know skeptical about his his uh, season when the uh, when, when the whole situation went down initially um you, you mentioned though the uh the friday news dump p- potential for congress and sure that makes some sense uh, here's what i kind of wonder about i mean it's not like i'm not saying dan that stan snyder has been stable necessarily this whole time you know i mean there's obviously you know he he's reacting in various ways he puts out various statements at times um you know showing some frustration with what, whatever the topic is at that moment in time even though the stadium thing seemed like it was going this way for a little bit here, you know, in terms of no options and having to potentially delay. I mean, I've certainly talked about that to me. It makes sense. And just, you know, over the last few weeks, we heard of these Virginia politicians uh, looking to change that we're going to flip and all these things. And DC always has seemed like a long shot and Maryland's kind of stay where they are. But nonetheless, now that we're here, now that yesterday did happen, Dan Snyder has got to be furious. He, whether whether we all saw this coming or not, he's got to be irate. This is a thing. This the, the, you know the, this whole twenty twenty seven thing. Um, while you know it's an artificial deadline, it's a yep. deadline that he himself basically was setting. He's the one that was saying we need to you know effectively we need to get this done by for years, right? And now it's not going to happen. And now on top of it, you have Congress wants him to come pay a visit. I'm sure he's thrilled about that. <laughs> and and regardless of the and the Del Rio thing, you know, it's not great. Regard, you know, it's it's not it's it's a distraction, right? ignoring the political aspect or what Dan Snyder views about any of these things. I have no idea, but like all that, it's not great. I kind of wonder what where he's at because if you're talking about a news dump thing, I'm wondering if there's something potentially coming at him. I because it because like a lot has boiled over here. I mean, this is just a lot. What we're discussing is just this week. We're not even talking about all the other things that have just been going on over and over again. This is just the last few days. I don't know. I kind of, that's what's on my mind about a news dump. Is is, is there a Dan Snyder reaction to something here? Yeah, let, let's break that down. So first off on the stadium, I, I do think their best move is to lay low, not rush into FedEx to just to make a 2027 artificial deadline because you're not going to get maximum points here you're not going to get maximum credit maximum input from maryland because they know they're the only people at the table look you're always just one carson wentz mvp season away from turning this narrative around if they're in the playoffs and they win a playoff game you go right back to virginia with 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 your handout it's a different world well and by Um, the way to, to that end all the virginia politicians who were citing the team's current struggles let alone del rio I mean, get out of here with this. The, that is so unbelievably short-sighted. The Del Rio thing is ridiculous. He's he's irrelevant. And the the team, like you said, I mean, you know, the, 
that it was something I wrote about this the other day. Like if Carson, you have to have a good year. The all these politicians, the Chad Peterson's the world who had season tickets, they'll be fine. They'll get over right. it. So the, if you want a stadium, Virginia, or a team, I should say, this is it on a relative cheap deal to get a, if you want an NFL team, this is it. And if you don't want it, fine, but don't give me a break on the like the viability of the team. It's an NFL team. You want it or you don't. I don't I just like to put an exclamation point behind Jack Del Rio's comments did not derail the Virginia Stadium deal. Period. Just just put a period on that. That wasn't it. Yeah. Um so, so anybody who tells you otherwise is wrong, um, you know, but, but, you know, on, on the Dan front, there's two reasons to have a new stadium from Dan's perspective. One is the prestige. You know, you think about like, oh, the Cronkies and J- Jerry Jones, man, like you got to go see these places. And like, have you been to Atlanta? Have you seen the roof? Like, it's cool. There's buzz. You get to be the cool owner that did a cool thing. Uh, and Dan likes that. Dan likes that. I, hey, we're all human. I'd like that. I'd like a little bit of buzz behind the Richmond Times Dispatch. That'd be fun. Um, you know, that, like, that's a great reason to build a stadium, uh, and that would be important. Number two is money. You know, we talk about he doesn't want to build a mini city because he wants to be like Mayor McCheese or whatever. Like, he wants to build a mini city because it would be wildly profitable to sell real estate in Northern Virginia right now and to sell office space in Northern Virginia right now. That's a, that's a cash play. Like, that, that is a play that ends with him making a lot of money. And – at FedEx, he doesn't get as much of that. Like, he'll get a little bit of that, but he won't get as much of that as he would have in Virginia. So he's he's looking at a lot of money left on the table here. He's, he's looking at really uh, taking a financial hit, taking a prestige hit, uh, and then, you know, we'll wrap it all up. Congress is calling him. He can't go in front of Congress. That, that just, that would end so poorly. And I'm sure, I'm sure his advisors are telling him that. We just have to say, Dan Snyder, cannot sit at that table it, it's a hard no anybody who's in his ear right now needs to be telling him don't go sit down at that table here's the problem though i think roger could hold his own at that table and if roger's there but dan isn't there that's a big problem too because roger can toss him under the bus easily and i don't think it, i don't think it would bother him to do so at the moment so that that's potentially a big issue as well dan can't go dan cannot sit at that table that's a hard note would end poorly but he also needs to make sure roger doesn't sit at that table that's equally important for him right now right i mean dan snyder doesn't talk to the media ever and the basic reasoning you often hear is like he's not comfortable talking in in these settings or at least that's one of the constant working theories that's out there that's just talking to us local folk can you imagine if you have, if you, if it's that, if you, if you legitimately or not, I mean, you know, he, he, and obviously he's also not the most dynamic of speakers to begin with. Right. So like, if imagine that now you're going to do it in front of Congress when everybody's against you basically, or at least let me rephrase that. A lot of the people are watching are against you. I guess half of the politicians on the, in the room probably won't, won't be since now sure. this has become super partisan, but um uh, yeah, no, that would be an incredibly awkward situation. He would not come across as a good witness. And then, of course, there's all the, you know, wait, wait, what is happening here with, you know, the culture of the organization and, and everything else that's going on. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, I, he can't go. I do think, though, right. I think Goodell probably would go because from good, I mean, it's not like, look, Goodell's got enough going on, too. I don't think he really wants to deal with this. Um, you know, we, I talked- Goodell can pick up a win though if, it, if, if it's Roger but not Dan they'd, like let's, let's do Roger talking points like wow I am here today because I, I take this incredibly seriously like you have called me here and, and I dropped everything I had important meetings today with important stakeholders I said no I gotta be here in front of you guys because this is the most important thing we do and I'm so glad you're addressing it and I just man I, I wish you know, I'm not Dan's boss I'm just a commissioner I wish he had chosen to come like because because I, I hope he understands how serious this is like that's yeah. a win, that's a win for Roger yeah no and I, t- I talked to somebody on the familiar with Hill Dynamics uh, when it when the first whole situation came out about Congress wanting them to come and you know we're all like well I mean they're not going to show up and this person was like probably not but the question they have to ask is, is will they will subpoenas be issued if they don't and if they think they will, then they need to go in advance and just do it on their own because then you can at least sort of hem and haul your way through some stuff. But you at least like kind of what you're saying with the Goodell, like in this scenario, the you're willingly showing up at least at something. But if you get subpoenaed, you, you then and you're taking and then you start taking the fifth. 
good luck with that look, right? So um, yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance for sure um, along along the way. But like, that's the thing, right? I mean, um, I, I remember when, when when the late Flip Saunders was coaching the Wizards and they were going through one of their usual terrible stretches, and somebody said, "Is this like the you know rock bottom?" And he's like, uh, "I forget the exact quote, but basically, he was like, oh, there's always." There's always something else that can come. Don't never assume <laughs> you've, hit, you've, hit, you've hit rock bottom. And, uh, you know, that's where we are here. I mean, like, you know, we have people on our beat who've not been around. I mean, who have not been around as long as we have. And they're like, hey, is this oh. as worse as it's been? I'm, and we're all like, uh, you know, sometimes like, nah, it's been worse. I, it's impossible to say that it's been worse than this stretch. I don't even know how long this stretch goes anymore. Um, it's can just continue, you know, it's just continued for like a year at this point. Um. But yeah, I mean, it is, it, it's just never ending. And I, but I do feel like right now with all these things happening, I mean, at least the stadium, we always had the stadium and there was this carrot, whatever else is going on, they're going to get a new stadium. Now we don't even know what's going to happen with that. Um, and then this Del Rio thing is a thing. And now the Congress is getting involved. I mean, I, it does feel like maybe we have reached a new low point and that's why I'm kind of wondering what Dan potentially does here. Is it me? Does he, put out a you know a tirade of a statement does he tell somebody to you know your service is no longer uh needed here or what i don't know but i am kind of wondering if we're going to get that not necessarily today but some point here you know i i think as you look back on high points and low points part of the problem of the last decade and so i think we all agree 2012 was a high point and a legitimate high point and a great moment for fans of this team. Like that's that that was something we're celebrating. But then you, you look at the next decade, 2013 on, the high points weren't high enough to negate the low points. That was part of the problem we had here. And that, that was part of why, you know, these lows feel so low is your high point was like Kirk Cousins winning in Philly to make the playoffs once. I was like, going to say Kirk Cousins, the, the whole, the, you know, you like that thing. Like that was a fun moment, but like it was, you know, game yeah. four and whatever and yeah like they spotted tampa 24 points and then came back like yeah good for you um you know it was a, it was a great moment but like if that if you're if you're hanging on that as like the high point man it's it's been a rough decade and, or, or yeah. winning a division with a seven and nine record that's what i'm saying yeah i mean you even you put the brady win last year just it, it, in that category where like you know, it's single days and single moments that are good, but you know, so many other teams have so many bigger things to cite that it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough to go through the low points when you're not rewarded with high points on the other side. Right, right, right. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, man, it's wild. Give, 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 give me your, do you think, where do you think the stadium will be? And when do you think it'll be there? Because you you know I'm still dying on this Virginia Hill. I think they're going to come back and run it back in Virginia in January. I think they want Virginia, and I think Virginia wants them despite all this dancing. But the Maryland points are very legitimate right now. How are you reading this? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's funny. I went back and and listened to a podcast I did in December with uh, he on my podcast with Al Galdi. Um, and it was like one of like, you know, 12 topics that day, but I think something had maybe happened that day or I forget sometime in December, you would probably remember chronology better than me, but some, some reason we discussed it that day and I listened to it again. And basically what I said then is where I've been, like, it's where we're at now that waiting to me seems the best option. So it's more for me, less about, will it be DC, Maryland, Virginia? It's more about, there's no point in rushing this thing. And now it feels like that's kind of probably be the case. And so if I am saying that waiting is the option, it kind of precludes me from saying that I I'm leaning in any direction. The fact that they already own the space in Maryland to me sort of gives it a little bit of the edge, but at the same point, like, you know, it is somewhat apparent they would like to do something in Virginia and that Virginia until getting squeamish over the last few months was clearly the one jurisdiction showing some aggressiveness towards this. Um, And, you know, I, in throughout all this conversation and apologies that this has been reported by you or others, I don't know, but like, you know, somewhere along the way, I heard that basically as the team has been kind of investigating, you know, what to do here, that, you know, some numbers show that there are, in fact, a lot more Commanders fans in Virginia than there are in Maryland. Uh, and I think that it's a little bit of a skew, if, if, if that's accurate, like it's a little bit of a skewed number because Virginia is the entire state and Maryland, it's really only PG County and Montgomery County for the most part, you know, I mean, expand out to, towards 
the eastern shore if, as you need but like once you go up 95 then it becomes raven's territory so there's only so much and that's i guess part of the argument as to who cares about maryland so much like we're just more people in virginia but for me it's always just the geography of it all like the inside the beltway or as close to it is more important to me than where the where it is so I guess ultimately my answer to your question is for me, I'm not on any of the things I'm on this time and waiting, but I'll say Maryland if you want me to pick a side. I want to take that bat and swing it for a minute. It's at some point, I understand that the the hardcore fans who still show up like the FedEx fields, because it is what they know and it is how they get there. FedEx field is a bad site for a stadium. Always has been always will be the attendance numbers back that up and look the stadium is bad but the the attendance numbers back up that it is also a bad location you cannot get there for night games from a bulk of the city you cannot get out of there easily after a game bad location and at some point if dan's gonna throw in the towel and say i just want to do something i want to do it here i don't I don't think it would be wrong of the league to intervene and step in and say like, whoa, whoa, we're not going to kneecap this market for 30 more years because of inertia or because like this is the only site you can find. We've got to do something about this. Right. So, I mean, you know, obviously the attendance is, you know, what it's been the last uh, few years, you know, I mean, at the bottom of the league last year was 31st, but like in 2012, which was obviously, as we just said, the high point, you know, they were, I'm looking at it right now. They were, they, they averaged 79,000 fans a game, third in the league behind only Dallas and the Giants um, per, for, per, per game. So, I mean, people did go. And I, and in terms of the, the location sucks and all that. Yeah, I get it. Trust me. But like at the same point, you know, when we were talking about the Woodbridge site, right? Because that was the one where, you know, the getting an option to get the land and all that stuff, you know, that one is a much worse to me from a traffic perspective. Ultimately, you only have whatever you want to say about FedEx field. There's multiple ways to get in and out. DC traffic sucks and all that stuff. You can take the Metro. It's a little bit of a walk, but you can take it. There's multiple major roads to get in and out. And the Virginia one, you're kind of stuck with just 95. So I, the, the issues on that front, while FedEx field stinks, it's not, I mean, compared to what i don't know what the other alternative it's going to stink anywhere even if they put it at fedex at rfk site i don't know that that would be a a a great one other than like you could maybe easier take the metro so i think those things are all suck i just i think i mean here's what i would wonder like maryland is saying they're going to put up 400 million plus to help with the mini city aspect of the whole thing if you actually do put in like a one loud kind of deal out there I don't know feels like it would be a lot better right i mean you would have things to do so like i think that would make the environment a little bit better than the way it is now where it is literally just the stadium and eh, there's really it's not exciting to go out there for any reason you know i this is the nfl this is the most popular league in the country right now these are the most valuable sports franchises in the entire world and, and you're telling me the best two options we can put on the table are Landover, Maryland, and Woodbridge, Virginia. They both suck. Throw them back. Tell Roger Goodell, throw them back. Make them do better. You're just waiting. Waiting is the option here because both your options stink because you've run this thing into the ground. Yeah, no. I mean, you're preaching to the choir on, on the waiting front for sure. And, um, yeah, I, I mean. Just, I, I, I thought you were defending Landover there for a second. And I'm not going to allow it. I, I'm not going to allow it on your podcast, Ben. Both options stink. They're both not good options. No, I yeah, I don't think any of these options are good. I, and by the way, here, I will say this. Like, while I, you know, we both agree that, you know, a, any notion of, like, Del Rio had any factor in whatever happened yesterday, that's obviously preposterous. Politicians maybe have mentioned it for grandstanding, but that's ridiculous. Um, and then, honestly, yeah. almost any option that it doesn't, inv- that's just beyond Dan Snyder, is probably a little bit preposterous too. That's a huge, obviously a huge reason why the Virginia voter or Virginia legislators turned, turned their, uh, or changed their view. But I will say that one thing I think they could lead into is the notion that states probably shouldn't fund stadiums. I mean, I've been on this case for a while. Like, I mean, I was like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Just give them the money. We want the stadium. But as I've gotten older and started to pay taxes and, you know, all these things, and I, I think about where we are as a society. I'm like, eh, you know what? We're, we're fine. If you told me 
forget the fact that you and I have to go to the FedEx field all the time and all that. I would rather, especially as a constituent in Maryland, I would rather them stay there, spruce that up, and then use that money for hopefully, this is the, this is the caveat, that hopefully they would use it for good and not government waste. But if they could use it for good for whatever it is, schools, roads, whatever, I'd rather that. I don't need to, we don't need to be paying, you don't need to be paying the billionaires, giving the billionaires all this money. That's my personal view, but I also think it's becoming more of a consensus view. And I do think that's something that all these politicians are leaning into. Again, a little bit of it's an excuse to to not do business with Dan Snyder. But I also think this one, there's more validity to it. And I think this is a what I would kind of wonder is, is this going to be the problem no matter what happens? Like, even if Dan Snyder wasn't nearly the, the toxic thing he is now, how much would this still be an issue? Maybe not in so much in Virginia, because they were clearly were at one point open to a billion dollars. Yeah, but. I do think that's an issue for some people regardless. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I, I didn't flippantly when I said like, hey, good Carson Wentz season changes the narrative here. But, but certainly from a macro big picture perspective, I do think the politicians are more in tune with, hey, let's not be a reactionary. Let's make sure we, you know, let's make sure we know what we're, what we're dealing with here. And uh, I do think that is uh that is a positive development. I'm encouraged by that. I also, I also like Carson Wentz could throw a touchdown pass. Chad Peterson could lose his mind and sign off on the billion the next day. That could happen. But I appreciate that, that we have a, a little bit more level-headed approach at the moment. That's right. nice. I mean, I mean, what is also stupid is that if they had say gotten Russell Wilson, how, or, you know, just to yeah. use him, how the, how this would be viewed differently because there would be a lot more enthusiasm about the team, regardless of the fact that Russell Wilson likely wouldn't be here in 2027 uh, because that's just, you know the age of the player and all these things, so the, the, it goes to show just how sort of silly this all is uh, to a degree. But anyway, oh, they, they'd send Russell down to the state house. This thing would get done in ten minutes. Sign some <laughs> pictures, sign some footballs. I mean, that's that's it. That's all it would take. Absolutely. Um, let, let me pivot to a different sort of way to look at this. Like, well, I know people get frustrated. If you just like, right, we, we're, we're however many minutes into this podcast, we haven't said one word about the football, t- the actual football. We, we, we may not. I mean, you know, I talked about it the other day. I have to say I wasn't at OTA. Not that we need, not that I, we, we could talk about football. I missed one OTA, but I mean, it, it, it just feels so small minded at this point. Like, whatever. We, you know, we get it. Carson Wentz has to play better. The defensive line or the defensive line has to do better. We, we, we get that. This other stuff, though, is, you know, bigger deal. But part it, of the it, issue, it's a huge deal, like, you know, to the fan experience for the next 30 years. I think people should be tuned into this. I think it's very important. Yeah, yeah for sure. But, like, the Dan Snyder effect, the ripple effects do come down to everything that we're all, like, just talking about. And I don't just mean because of his reputation. And I hope people will take what I'm about to say for what it is. Um, you know, Ron Rivera isn't just the head coach of this team. He's also the effectively the general manager. I know that Martin Mayhew has yep. the title, but Rivera's the one who has final say. Yep. That's not a job I don't know if any other team in the league is giving him. Uh, he had no experience doing this. Um, forget the fact that he's coming. He was coming. You know, he got fired at Carolina. He obviously had some success at Carolina. He he still ultimately has more losing seasons and winning seasons overall. No personnel experience um, in terms of being the figurehead kind of a guy, um, but. Dan Snyder, when he's making these types of hires, he doesn't have the full arsenal to go do whatever he wants. A lot of candidates are not going to be interested in working for him, period. And he's had this weird, of course, thing about not hiring GMs anyway, for the most part, other than like McLuhan. So in other words, my point is that Ron Rivera got, got, gets hired, a guy with a very, it was very inexperienced. And I think maybe some of that plays out here as we're dealing with Jack Del Rio right now. You know, Jack Del Rio, to me, seems a bit disrespectful. He's not, he clearly doesn't seem to care what his direct boss thinks, but you know what? There's no, there's nobody else to tell him no, because unless Snyder gets involved, there's no GM, right? So you gave one guy, both jobs, and there's nobody else to play bad cop to Del Rio right now. So the, my point is that Rivera's inexperienced over on that side. Now let's go to the business side. Jason writes, obviously the resume is pretty impressive. He is a very accomplished guy. We all keep joking about one day he's going to, or maybe we're not joking that one day he's running for some high political office um, because he has that, you know, vibe and all that. He had no experience going into this job. He had right. I mean, other than just being in business, 
he had no experience with this. He was an NFL player and it was in business. That's very different than these things. And we saw the clunky way that the name rollout happened. We've talked, of course, about the things like the Sean Taylor ceremony. And now I'm not saying it's Jason Wright's fault. He's dealing with this Dan Snyder headwind, but this was like a big project he was overseeing. And right now we're in a position where you and I are thinking their best move is to punt and wait. That's not good either. And I think this is, again, like, who was Dan Snyder going to hire? He wasn't going to be able to hire some 20-year veteran NFL executive to come do these things because guess what? People don't want to deal with him. So he has to hire make two guys, hire two guys who may be great one day, but right, but they were hired with minimal experience, and now we are where we're at. Yeah, and the Jason Wright thing is a complicated one because so I'm, you know, I'll, I'll spare you my thoughts on McKinsey, but I, you know, he came up through the McKinsey training methods and, and, and ways which are very effective. McKinsey runs the world essentially, but you know, they, a lot of it is, you know, it doesn't matter. Your product's not special. Our methods are special, you know, and, and that's, you know, across all industry and across, you know, various things you bring in a McKinsey person and they don't say, all right, like if you're selling light bulbs, they're not like, all right, let's talk about like what's special about your light bulbs and the history of the light bulb industry. They say, here are the things we know from McKinsey. And here's how we're going to do business. And, and they're very effective. Again, they run the world. They're very good at what they do. But, you know, we saw it early on. A lot of the missteps were just, hey, we're, you know, we're going to run this franchise. And I think a lot of longtime fans were really put off by, hey, you know, like, there's a reason we were here. Like, don't, don't just blow everything up on us. Now, I think they've learned from that to a large degree. Uh, you know, they've, they've definitely you know, work to soften the blow of the name change by, by keeping a lot of the traditions and getting a lot of former players in the fold. So I, I think they're learning, um, but I, I think there were some early missteps that were costly there. Um, I, let me make a, a positive Jason Wright point, and that is there's like seven of these people in the world, um, minorities who are incredibly sharp at what they do and have the potential to run the world. Like, and, you know, we talk about we're at these league meetings, and one of the very big topics is always how do we increase diversity, understanding that a majority of the players are black, that they, you're trying to be a league that represents America as a whole, where a large portion of the population is minority, black, female, Hispanic. Um, you know, they want all those dynamics represented inside the NFL at every level. You know, we, we, what, what's the one thing they talk about? Hey, we need, we need more black ownership because that, that will more accurately reflect our communities. Jason Wright is that dude. Um, he, he has just an incredible education, an incredible mind. He's very sharp. Um, and, and I, you know, I wouldn't rule out that he could be commissioner someday or he could be a senator someday. And so if, if Dan Snyder ruins him, if the Dan Snyder reverse car wash takes a clean Jason Wright and spits him out dirty, that's way different than messing up Jay Gruden or messing up Jim Zord. Those guys grow on trees. Like Jay Gruden, brilliant football mind. You and I both talked to him. Like he's he's a smart dude. Like he's really he's one of the like 10 best people in the world at drawing up a football play and making sure it'll work. But but there's a lot of those guys. Like, you know, you just look at that 2013 staff. They, just, they keep getting jobs. There's a there's a, there's a there's a zillion of them. There's like seven Jason Wrights in the world. And if Dan Snyder ruins one of them, that's now all of a sudden, like you've got the league's attention doubling. Right, right. I mean, it's it just like with anything. It's just like anything. It's whether whether we're talking about when you draft a rookie quarterback, or in this case, maybe you give a guy who is inexperienced a huge position. Do you put them in a position to succeed? It isn't just saying, "Hey, we think you have talent. Go play." No, what are you going to do to help facilitate that? Obviously, we've seen over and over again on the field, right? They have not. Oh, yes. they've, they've been unable to get guys to help. To, they've been unable to get, especially a quarterback to get players to develop and, and, and have them succeed or whatever. And it's no, I would say probably no different here. Um, and of course the, the caveat with all this is for both Rivera and Jason, Wright Is they're dealing with the past. And unfortunately they're also now dealing with this present in, in a variety of ways. And it, it makes it super challenging for, um, but you know, for, for everybody yeah. to get their job done. Yeah. That, that is a great point with Ron though, where, um, it, you know, like I, the defense underachieved last year and you know jack del rio you bring him back and then he makes a scene like this like there's got to be a little bit of awareness there a little bit of something like jack you haven't you haven't earned the right to make the seat like tom brady wants to walk in the locker and be like hey let's talk about january 6th man 
a little, little dust up. Yeah. And we're like, Tom Brady, moron. But like he's Tom Brady, we're going to let him keep being quarterback of the team. I just a hypothetical. There. I don't know what Tom Brady thinks about January 6th, but uh, you know, what has Jack Del Rio done in his time in Washington to merit any sort of leeway or extended leash? Cause I I'm missing it. Right. Right. And also just like at the end, I mean, again, it's not a matter of what he was saying specifically. It's just a matter of, you're not the boss. Like, you know, you are Michael Phillips, the sports editor for the Richmond times dispatch. And I know you've had to help fill in um, maybe even a, a, a job or two sort of above that as you guys have had some, you know, people transitions yep. here and there, but ultimately you, there is an editor in chief and it's not you. So when you, you can't always, you can't express all your opinions out to the world because there is somebody above you. But if the editor in chief, wants to go nuts. Well, yep. that's a different dynamic. Just like when Ron Rivera spouts off on whatever title means spout off. And I'm not being flippant, but whatever he, he made, he's made passionate stances on various topics over the last couple of years. That's, that's, that's him. He is that guy, but it isn't yep. the case for Del Rio. And yet we'll see what happens. I, you know, like I said, because there is nobody else to sort of play bad cop other than Snyder himself, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to, what's going to happen there um by the way i guess just to touch on that and we don't we don't need to get into the whole del rio thing again but for those who missed it on thursday the head of the naacp put out a statement uh i don't have the statement in front of me but basically said he thinks del rio should be fired yeah uh, right so i don't it, I, it, and to be clear i don't think del rio will be fired yeah i don't i don't either uh but yeah. uh but that was just something else that's happening. It just again, just how this thing has, you know, gotten legs, uh, for for sure. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I think I think if Del Rio's fired, it's in the middle of the season because the defense underachieves out of the gate and they need to make the playoffs. Like I, I don't I don't think it's got anything to do with this. I I think this is a make or break year for the defense because the offense is good enough. And, and, you know, I've, I've done this spiel a million times. The offense is good enough to get you to a wild card game like Carson Wentz isn't going to take you on his shoulders and win games but it doesn't matter because you've invested your first round picks in the defense you've invested all this capital in the defense it's time for the defense to show up and make some plays and if the defense is the reason you don't make the playoffs there are huge big systemic questions that need to be asked way more so than if the offense is what's holding you back right no for sure and and just to pivot to the football uh part it is wild to me and i don't know where you think about this um not based on anything we've seen in otas because you know the otas are whatever you know, the, you know chase young isn't back uh deron Payne hasn't been doing team drills montez sweat's been in out like you know the terry mclaurin's not around like we don't whatever we're watching it's just guys kind of you know fine-tuning some of their individual skills and working on the playbook, but this isn't about what this team is going to look like this year. But that said, if you said to me right now, what do you feel more comfortable with the offense or the defense? It is stunning to me yeah, that my answer offense. is the offense. Uh, and, <laughs> and that goes, sort of goes to the point of like, you know, Del Rio's level of comfort. It's like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, does I got, I got, I mean, there's quite obviously Carson Wentz is a huge question until he goes out there and, you know, delivers in, in both as a, as a passer, as a leader, there'll be questions right but like i can at least see it on paper he's people act like he's a bum he's he's fine and he's got weapons and all that in the defense you know the linebackers huge questions all that communication from last year we'll have to see it is chase young what does chase young look like the, the the first year guy or the second year guy um you know things like that so it is wild to me that you know that the, we have i have more questions about the offense the defense and the offense it sounds like maybe you're the same i and we shouldn't we should have more confidence in the defense because position for position, line for line, the defense has more talent and has more resources invested into it and, and has more coaching uh, in Rivera and Del Rio and more coaching experience than, than Turner, certainly. Although uh, I, I think we've got a little bit of Norv balancing it out the other way. I'm, I'm picking up on that, Ben. You know, I don't know if that's a wink-wink secret, but I, I think we've got a, a Turner package at the moment. Yeah, I mean uh... – was that this week that Rivera mentioned Nor specifically, or was it last week? I'm, I'm a little foggy still, but right. Wasn't it this week? He mentioned him. I think it was last week, but it doesn't matter. Okay. But yeah, I mean, like he actually, like it's one thing we can, he's been around North Turner has been around the last couple of years, but you know, it's, it felt like it's more like he's you know, dad coming to see his kid at work. Correct. Kind of deal. And now it does feel more of, 
um, and not just because of what Rivera said, but just some other things I've, I've heard. Yeah, now it does feel a little more of Norv yeah. is uh, is more of a factor, which for look, I get it. Nobody here wants to see him be the head coach. I think you're good there. But <laughs> as an offensive mind, obviously, he's been, you know, one of the best guys in for in the in the league in forever. So uh, that would be a good thing. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't object to, to that. So, yeah, that is an interesting um, component. Uh, I don't know, man. Was there any any other? I, I don't know. You got any other football uh, takes? Maybe it's weird. Like football just seems so irrelevant to discuss. But um, you, you I, got any other uh, takes? You you you, uh, you you I don't know. You tell me. Let me hit you with a couple quick. I want to buy some Curtis Curtis Hodges stock publicly. So so it's it's on the ledger. Uh, it's on the blockchain. I've got Curtis Hodges stock. I'm buying Curtis Hodges stock. Um, on defense, uh, I, I'm not sold that Chase Young will be playing in week one, and I think that's maybe a bigger deal than we realize. Um, Wait, can so- I just go – can I go back to what – uh, I'm, I'm going to interrupt your your Chase Young important point to go back to <laughs> Curtis Hodges for a second. Oh, oh, only in the standard group. I mean, that's – if that isn't vintage standard group, I, I don't know what is. Right. Well, because <laughs> because we, we actually have talked about him a bit here. Um, Logan Paulson was on the other day, and that's the guy he's been kind of pointing to a lot. And, um, you know, he's a huge guy. But I, I, I don't know if it was something you saw this week or is this overall, like, from your perspective, why is Curtis Hodges so interesting? Because that fourth tight end spot, I'm assuming Logan Thomas, uh, John Bates, and Cole Turner, and then the fourth guy, uh, yeah, I, I can't tell, like, we're all, like, sort of – it's a vacuum here. We're all sort of at an echo chamber or was it, what is it about Hodges that you think stands out? Yeah. He's got a nice presence. Uh, you know, he's, he's six, eight, obviously. So that stands out, but I, uh, he, he's able to do everything they ask him to do. He's got, got a little meanness in the blocking, but also runs a clean route. I'm impressed by what I see so far. And yeah, they, they call his number a lot, you know, that that's not always something, but sometimes that's something uh, when, when you see a guy get his number called a lot, um, especially when he's maybe playing, uh, you know, a, a, a unit or two ahead of where you would think he'd be playing. Now, some of that is, of course, injuries. Logan Thomas, of course, not participating. He's still been around. Uh, Samus Reyes not participating. But, uh, you know, you, I, I'm not sold that, that you know, it's just a given that because you draft a guy, he's immediately the number two tight end. I, I, you know, I think they're willing to put that, put that up for grabs here. Uh, you know, if you talk about your week one depth chart where, you know, in a scenario where Logan Thomas doesn't play, uh, you know, it's, it's John Bates and dot 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 yeah for sure i mean uh cole turner you know he made some you know i saw the highlight he made an interesting catch the other day and he, obviously rivera has raved about him or at least you know talked him up a lot um but we'll see you know until until things get real this is this is nothing but real maybe it may be getting a little more realer this week in minicamp um to a degree but we'll see um about that okay anyway sorry chase young i'm with you i'm not convinced about that he'll be back for week one and even if he is, you know, I need we, we're going to see a lot because last year before before the injury was so disappointing. Anyway, I interrupted you. What were you going to finish? I I just think on defense, like uh, you know, I think Montez Sweat is good, but if you're asking Montez Sweat to get all the sacks and be the star, uh, is is that your guy? I I don't know. I've quite. I, I hope he does it. I hope he becomes a star. That that would be cool. I got questions. Especially if Chase isn't playing opposite him, I guess that is what I'm saying. If Chase doesn't play, and you've got you know King Bradley or Smith Williams or whoever, like Shaka Tony, like whoever's over on the other side, like is Montez going to be good enough to make that work? Does shot? Do we have to put a? Does Shaka Tony need to add a hyphen between Shaka Tony and Smith Williams and Bradley <laughs> King? Exactly. Um, no, I agree. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about in that context of who is the third edge pass rusher one just for the, you know, you need more, always as much pass rushing as you can get, but also what if Chase Young isn't ready, right? Presumably at a minimum, he's probably not going to do much in training camp. So who is going to be out there working with the team, doing these things. And you're right. If, if you can send the extra double team towards Montez sweat with no worrying about James Smith Williams, that's a, you know, that, 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 that's a, a thing. Um, no doubt you got a, you got any uh, warm fuzzies watching Heineke? <laughs> I'm very glad he's still around. And when he stands next to Carson Wentz, it's a funny visual. It's like, those are different dudes. 
It is. It is funny. It, I mean, it, I, it shed some light on like Taylor Heineke, like getting to be an NFL starter for an entire season. Look, I, I think he's a great NFL backup. I'm fired up that he's the backup and I'm glad he's still there. And I think he can make plays with the best of them, but it, it's funny when he stands next to a former number two overall draft pick. Yeah, no, um, with, without, without a question. Um, I guess just to, to spin this back away from football before I let you go. So I think at this point going, and I think going into mini camp, since this, this, this episode may be sort of the mini camp preview, I think the real big story this week is just Terry McLaurin showing up. Uh, I, I would have said yes, like without thinking too much about it a month ago when this whole, when we first learned he wasn't going to be doing any of the OTAs because it, the fines are automatic. Right. Um, and you yeah. know, you can at least show up and do the hold in kind of like what Deron Payne's been doing, you know, like doing some stuff, but not doing the heavy lifting stuff. Sure. But then you have what happened this week where unless, and again, I've been out of it. So you can t- correct me if I'm, if I missed something, but Debo Samuel showed up to the 49ers. I don't think he's done much. DK Metcalf though stayed away. Now these are two guys in the same 2019 draft class with McLaurin. Uh, there, so these are sort of the last three guys, I guess, if you want to say Deontay Johnson with the Steelers as well, but these are effectively the last three guys in the wide receiver carousel who have not gotten a new deal yet. And you know, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've not been getting the, the sense that things are progressing at all on the, on the contract side of McLaurin, which doesn't mean they can't, they won't get a deal done. I, I would still assume they would, but in terms of right now, I don't know. And now look, you still have all this other negative drama. If you're Terry McLaurin, you're like, Oh my God, what am I wait? Do I, what do I want to sign here? What's going on? I'm not saying he's saying that I just like, you'd have to, you have to be nuts to not wonder about some of this stuff considering every day there's more drama. So to me, I think those are the two big stories. Uh, where are you kind of at on those things? Yeah, I'll hit you with a quick Terry McLaurin take. And that is that right now it's the team's fault. And that's stupid, Ben. Uh, that, that's my take on that. So, so number one, you should have offered him a contract the day after the season ended. So you're a priority here. Here's a really, really great offer. Sign on the line. We love you. And, you know, it, one, it would have been a cheaper price than it is today. You would have saved money by acting quicker. But number two, you know, you, you would have put the onus on Terry. There are, as you mentioned, a number of very legitimate reasons why Terry McLaurin should not sign a contract with this team. Why, you know, maybe he should wait and test free agency or wait and play this franchise tag game that seems to have been so profitable here for Sheriff and Cousins and others. I, I think those, if, if Terry wants to say, hey, you know, I don't know that I want to commit to this. That is, that is fine. But you, you need to put him in that spot because right now Terry doesn't have a legitimate offer on the table. Okay. So, so hear the word legitimate. Terry doesn't have a legitimate offer on the table that respects who he is, what he means to this franchise and what they need to do to re-sign him. So he can absolutely say, I don't think he should show. Um, I, I think he should, he should skip mini camp. I think he should put out a statement and say, I am ready to, talk with the team the team is not ready to talk to me i find that disappointing i'm gonna send him my check for 150 grand you know like hey that's a lot of money for me right now but i gotta look out for my future and the team doesn't appear to be interested in doing that it's their fault right now ben it's the team's fault right now and that's stupid it should be on terry the team should place this on terry here is a great deal do you want to sign it or do you not want to sign it? And if he doesn't want to sign it, I'm not going to blame him in the standing group. I'm not going to come on and blow him up for not signing. There's legitimate reason. But right now, he doesn't have that option. The team has not given him the option to decline. So it is still the team's fault. And that is mismanagement. And also, by the way, like, you know, with Duran, like last year when it was John Allen, it's sort of just this one issue. It was just this one issue. There is now another guy that they, I mean, you know, I've already put on what I've, what I've been reporting that the Jerome Payne is not happy with his situation. That's why he's been skipping the team drills and that he's not expected to get a deal. Now, all these things could change depending on what happens with other players, including McLaurin. But you would think on some level, if you really want to keep Jerome Payne, if you think that's a thing, you would hustle with the McLaurin thing. You don't have to wait for the start of training camp. That's not a rule. Get that done now. Then you can wait on Payne if you want till the start of camp, but you you have somebody else. So you can't, you kind of have to deal with McLaurin first. And the fact that I don't know why they're waiting at this point, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, this, unless McLaurin's side is saying we want $28 million or something, you're like, uh, well, I don't know about that. You know, 
I'm with you. Right. But then it's Terry's side. Then it's the other side. Like until you put a number on a piece of paper, it's on your side. It's your fault and your problem. Doesn't yeah. need to be an unforced error, Ben. Um, I'm with you. All right. I'll probably be a, a forced error if I keep you in here any longer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, at Michael PRTD on Twitter. Uh, go read him in the Richmond Times Dispatch. I have a subscription. Uh, anything else for, for you before I let you go out into the wild? I, I will look forward to uh, next week. I, I love watching these practices. I, I know that's probably a football nerdy thing. Like I, I know we've been talking about the other stuff and look like you, you grind on it. I grind on it. Like it, it's our business to know these other things. But man, I love being 10 feet away from NFL players while they're getting coached up and learning the playbook. Like it's really fun. What we do is really fun. Uh, and the other stuff's more important. So we, we talked about things in the correct ratio today. Uh, but I get, I get fired up to be out there for mini camp. Like we're like standing right next to these dudes while they, while they like get the marching orders for the year. It's fun. I like it. Yeah, no, I'm kind of, well, I'll certainly be excited to be back out there next week after missing this week, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like, it would be fun to just focus on the football. We'll see if that's possible. I'm not going to bet on it, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks as always. Take care, Ben. Okay. Fun conversation there with Michael. Um, we did. I thinking after the fact, we didn't discuss the idea of could, you know, this stadium situation lead to Dan Snyder, possibly moving the team out of the area I would say we're still a ways away from that. I mean, Dan Snyder is, of course, you know, um, if we're saying waiting is an option on the stadium, I think that is legitimately so. I don't think there's no options. I just don't think there's anything good right now. Plus, he is from the area. I, I, I don't think I, I wouldn't see Dan Snyder proactively moving the team. But I do wonder, does another community out there see this as an opportunity to say, hey, for what it's worth, will give you, you know, the money to move. I, I don't know if the NFL would even allow it to happen, um, but you know. Anyway, so we'll, we'll food for thought. But so it, it, the fact that it's even a discussion says we're a lot about where we're at with this franchise right now. Um, it's mentioned earlier. I wanted to play a little of my conversation back from Al Galdi and I back in December about where we were at the stadium then and just how kind of wild, in my opinion, it is that how 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 it rings true to where we are uh, right now. So let's get to a little snippet from my conversation with Al Galdi from back in December on the stadium. Stadium talk has come up in the last few days. The Washington Post had a story about team officials talking to Virginia state officials about it and Loudoun County and Prince William County and whatever. Did you, I assume you saw the article you're on top of everything. Um, I, look, I'm not dismissing the reporting. Obviously, they did. They got some. You know, they, they, it was a fine report. I mean, they 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 did what you know. They, they updated the situation to a degree. This, that, and the other. I think, in a general sense, it was a bit of a whatever. I mean, okay, team officials are talking to state officials about uh, about a possible state. Well, I mean, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> you know, they got to do something at some point with somebody, right? And yes, they do have until 2027. So. It's not a rush, but at the same point, it's not just you snap your fingers and build a stadium. It does take time in advance to plan in all kinds of ways before you even put a shovel in the ground. Um, and we'll see. We still don't know what, what what's viable with uh, are the RFK site. Seems like it's not great, but you know who knows. I mean, if if, if there's if there's a swing in the gov- in the Congress or Senate over the next few years, maybe that changes things. Who knows? Um, and what have you. Um, you know, they don't have to, you know, the 2027, they, they own the place. It's just an agreement they made with PG County to stay there through that time. So they could stay. But here, here, I guess, is my my point or my my wonder is all this talk about where is he going to go? I don't think Dan, Dan Snyder clearly has no leverage right now from a, a you know, he, he's, you know, the least popular guy in 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 town every you know there was obviously more stories this week going back to um the culture and the building and things like that i don't i don't oh i i almost keep thinking the more i think about this that like maybe their best move for now is to just put money into the current place every no location to me is interesting Uh, any of these locations to me i find unappealing uh the current one as well but like he's not gonna i don't think any 
municipalities and give him a good deal, I wouldn't think. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the best move for now is just to put more money into the stadium. I don't, I know that's in a completely unappealing view, but until, I don't know, until he either gets further away from where we're at now or something else, I, I don't, I don't like any of the options that are being that I keep hearing about, unless you tell me the RFK side's in play, which at this point it is not. Yeah. I mean, I think that he has to, at some point swallow the pill of he may have to pay for this whole thing himself, because I think, especially in today's economy, good luck trying to get a municipality to put pay for a stadium, you know? So I think that's a big thing. You know, I think they're trying to tie some of this to sports gambling. So maybe they can use that to help to fund the construction of the stadium. I I know I'm on an Island on this. I don't think the stadium has to be in DC for the new stadium to be a success. I, I personally think that that's a very overrated aspect of all of this. I think what matters is that the stadium is good is that the stadium is surrounded by good, i.e., you know, isn't just this isolated thing in the middle of nowhere, but is a thing that is a part of a bigger thing in terms of, you know, downtown shopping and retail, et cetera, a Washington football museum, that kind of a thing. Uh, You have to have a metro stop by the stadium. So I think those things all matter more. I think wherever you put the stadium, the traffic is going to be brutal. This idea that, like, uh, some spots are better than others in terms of traffic, maybe, but traffic in this area is just bad. So wherever you put the stadium, traffic is going to be a problem. People complain about the traffic at FedEx right now. You don't think traffic for a downtown stadium in D.C. is going to is not, is not going to be a problem? Like, it's going to be bad. So right. I don't think that matters. They just got to get this right in terms of, you know, what the stadium looks like, what is near the stadium, and all of the problems with FedEx not be problems with the new stadium. But, yeah, this whole thing is taking forever. And in the meantime, until you can get this right, you're going to be where you're at. And I think what's becoming clearer and clearer is that any notion of the new stadium being up and running prior to the ending of the current lease, that's not happening. Like if you just do like basic logic and you apply that to this, how are you going to have a new stadium up and running by 2027 at this point? You know, it's it's almost 2022 right now. They don't even have anything. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, p- part of what stood out about the post article was how it feels like we're not anywhere. Like, it's not so much yeah, right. whatever, whether, whatever you tell me where, where it is. There's there's no indication that anything is yeah. happening quickly. So, but no. even if it, even if today they said it's going to be put in, pick your place. Okay, you still have to go through the you know, the, whatever the architects do and the government stuff and all that stuff before you even start building. But that takes time. So you need to start getting getting going here. And it doesn't feel like they're anywhere on this topic you're you're a maryland guy right yeah uh i don't know about you i'm not interested forget my job as a consumer if you put this thing over prince william or loudon i get those people say well i don't want to go to fedex field i get that but like that's where it's been so it is what it is if they go over there i just think a lot of maryland fans are gonna say screw this i'm going to baltimore it's right up the street they're functional they win they have lamar jackson even though it's a short-term thinking I, you know what? I, I, I'm out on this franchise. They've they've ruined it for me. I don't need to go. I think the going to Virginia, that's why it's a it's a problem. It's unless it's something closer to the beltway, which I don't know where that would even be. So th- that's the part of this to me. Almost like maybe that's why I keep coming back to maybe the the simple option is FedEx field. If they would just win games and fix the plumbing, uh, you know, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, but the problem too is FedEx Field as a brand is just such a dead brand. And right. it's it's a brand that has been ripped by so many people for so long. The team itself has essentially told you that FedEx Field is bad to say, okay, instead of building a new stadium, we're going to stay where we are and just make it better. I just, I think that's a hard sell. It doesn't mean that you couldn't do it, but I just think that that's a really hard sell. It almost would have to be that you demolish FedEx field and build a new stadium on that site, which seems kind of bizarre, right? Like, why would you go through the trouble of doing that? But it almost feels like you need to do that. Um, there's no easy answer. I mean, I, I still cracks, it, it cracks me up. We first learned that Danny was looking to build a new stadium in August of 2014, when Dan did a sit down interview with Chick Hernandez, that was August of 2014. It is almost 2022. And we seemingly are no closer today to the next Washington Stadium than we were in August of 2014. This whole process has taken forever. And it just has felt so futile. 
And even now, you know, Jason right now has been with the team for multiple years. I think he's having a hard time engineering this thing in terms of trying to figure out the next stadium. It's not easy. There's no simple answer. And, you know, no one wants to pay for it. So you tell me what they're going to do. It, it's a tough spot. It's <laughs> they They may be, whether they want to or not, they may be at FedEx for a while. What you're outlining may end up being what ends up happening, whether the team or anyone else wants it to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing it should be. It's just like uh, if, if, if yeah. and also we didn't even discuss like we don't even know where how how uh, liquid Dan Snyder is these days because you know he just bought out his other part his other two partners and FedEx is not you know I don't know where he's at financially. I'm not saying he's uh, needs needs to do a bake sale, but I'm just saying you know it's a lot of money to throw into a stadium, and I don't know what you know DC you know who's giving him the money. I, I don't I don't know. All right, uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks again to Michael Phillips with the Richmond Times Dispatch for his time. Thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast, checking out uh, The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing and all that you do out there. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back next week for minicamp. Uh, but until then, see ya.